Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. You're here with Ryan, Lenny, hello, and John. Live and direct from scenic Huntsville, Alabama. We are talking about a car collectible before it was cool. When in doubt, go flat out. And on uh, Scrap Race Daily, hard choices are ahead. So make sure you have call-outs from your co-driver. So that's what we're talking about today on Zero Lift. Let's talk about what we've done this week in the garage and on the road. Lenny, you said you actually uh, managed to do some stuff this week. So why don't you tell us what you've done? Yeah, I actually did some car stuff uh, yesterday, Saturday. Uh, every second Saturday of the month, uh, there's a Cars and Coffee over here in Rockland, California. Just up the street from me. Uh, so me and my wife, uh, we went, walked up there and there was a re- local car friend of mine. Uh, he has a, shoot, it's a VW Golf GTI. Uh, it's one of the, it's the latest one, latest uh, generation. And it's super quick. I think he's putting down almost like 500 horsepower with it. Ooh. Uh, it's a two-door nice. coupe, so it's not the four-door um all-wheel drive version, which I learned that there's a difference. Me and him were talking about it. Um, And so he's actually in the works of trying to get a four-door GTI body with with all the working drivetrain that's been, you know, probably blown up the engine or something just to drag all of it out and then swap it onto his coupe uh, GTI. And so, like, he'd have, like, a a super lightweight two-door all-wheel drive, 500-horsepower GTI. Which would smoke almost a lot of things. The two doors. That sounds amazing. Uh, yes. Oh, from what wow. he told me. I like yeah, everything yeah. about that. Yeah. So shout out to him, Kyle. Let's get see him. His car is. make a German yeah. Pulsar GTIR. His car's already pretty quick, uh, from what I've seen firsthand. Uh, so I can't even imagine it <laughs> quicker. That'd be nuts. Totally yeah, nice. he just needs to needs to fix those uh, torque steer burnouts. You know, Mustang effect yep. into a into a guardrail or something. Uh, other other cars of note that I saw at, at Cars and Coffee was uh, a friend of his, Loop, who had also been there. That's his name, Loop. Shout out to him. He had a right hand drive converted GC8 wagon. Cool. So it was a USDM, uh, but like all the parts, like down to the interior, um, was JDM, like a, from a, a Japanese uh, car that he had sourced himself and done all that too. Uh, what else topical. was there? It's very yeah. topical. You talk about a sweet GCA swap. Small, <laughs> small world. Since we're talking about a GCA, yeah, today. I know. It's just yeah, it just so happened. Um, it's the way the universe works sometimes, right? Yeah. What else? Uh, what else was there? There was uh, uh, quite a few NSXs. They were all uh, left-hand drive, though. Not to say though. I know that's kind of a. So they weird. had the Acura badge instead of the Honda badge. Looking down. Uh, one of them had a Honda badge. Ah, there we go. Uh, all right. Not, <laughs> all right. I'm not talking down to to you know left-hand drive NSXs. By the way, as as though I it might have sounded kind of sounding. So uh, <laughs> I apologize for that. Just don't talk down on the NSX a, in general, Letty. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's a great car. I love it. I drove, I had the, the opportunity to drive one and it was great. Uh, there was a right-hand drive 33 four-door. There was quite a few uh, Japanese cars. Okay. There was also like an uh, Mazda Auto Zama 1, AZ1. Oh my God. 
Yeah. Then there was Lotus Avora GT, the new one, which sounded amazing. A few tuned-up Maserati GTs of a few generations back. Of course, there was a bunch of Camaros of the older generation, like a bunch of muscle cars, uh, old VW Bugs. Like this Cars and Coffee over by me. Uh, It's Cars and Coffee Rockland, Whitney Ranch, by the way, if anybody's listening. Uh, Google it. They have an Instagram page. Uh, All their pictures are are sweet. Uh, The variety of this Cars and Coffee just blows me away every time I I visit it every few months. So I will say this. I'm excited about it. For people that don't know, if you have a legit Cars and Coffee meet anywhere near you, that is probably far and away the best car show you will ever go to because of exactly what Lenny's talking about right now, because you know, everybody's seen like the TikTok jokes of like why I don't go to meets anymore, the meet, <laughs> and it's like Toyota Corollas and Honda Fitzes and, and just cars that nobody cares about. But cars and coffee, every time I've gone to it, so Katie's Cars and Coffee is the one near me. It's in um, Great Falls? Great Falls? Something like that? I don't know. It's by DC. But Katie's Cars and Coffee, like when you go there, Ferraris get ignored because you're too busy looking at, you know, once a guy came with a Ford bucket T like the old, like roadster that he swapped a Lambo V12 in. And there was a club of GT 40, like OG 60 race car, kit car guys rolled up like five deep. And when you just have crazy stuff like that rolling up, you know, it's hard to be bored. Uh, I saw a shit. I think there was a McLaren 620S there, uh, though I, I, I think I like no discredit to it either, but I didn't pay it much mind because there were so many other cool cars I hadn't seen or I hadn't seen in a minute. There was a, a right-hand drive Toyota Cresta wagon. <laughs> oh, there, like, and it was, it was not low. It had like some big beefy-ass wheels on it. It looked kind of goofy, uh, but it rolled. Uh, yeah. 240, like an old S30 240Z with a 2J in it that looked clean. With an old man driving it, like weird, like weird, but like awesome at the same time. Perfect. Like if I go to a normal, like week, you know, weekday meet at some parking lot or something and I take the R32, I usually shut the meet down. Like everybody freaks out. (laughs) If I go to a Cars and Coffee with my R32, it's just another car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, big fan. Go to Cars yeah. and Coffee locally. There's even one here in Omaha. I've got to check it out when it starts up and after the snow's done. So that's what I've been up to. John, you you're somewhere. You're in Huntsville. I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. Over by Redstone. Yeah, I'm not going to Redstone, but uh, oh, um, I, yeah, I'm here for work. Uh, recording out of a hotel room. I packed my Yeti. Um, I've actually been, folks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I've actually been doing some stuff. Um, I know, you know, this is a car podcast and I'm a motorcycle guy. So sometimes I'm going to subject you to this, but I've been working on my Ducati doing a bunch of winter upgrades and I had the freakiest, (laughs) most horrible (laughs) failure in the garage of my entire life. I know it's coming and it's hilarious. <clears throat> it's I'm hilarious. not going to. I've, I've only heard bits and pieces of this, and I think I saw it in our group chat. 
It's yeah. John, but I didn't really pay much attention to it, to be fair. I was busy with I'll, other I'll, things. So explain. I'll, just, I'll run you through it real quick. There's a, there's a part you have to take off the clutch cover. So basically on a motorcycle engine, they don't go together vertically. They go together horizontally, right? So you can like split the engine in half and get to the crankshaft, right? That's just kind of how they work. Um, but you can, there's two covers on either side of the engine. One covers the generator and one covers the clutch. And so there's a part that I've put on every motorcycle I've ever owned called a uh, shift detent lever. And it's an upgraded piece and it makes the shifting faster. Um, and so I was doing a bunch of work to my Ducati. It's got a lightweight flywheel now and a slipper clutch. And I put shorter gearing, shorter geared sprockets on it and, upgraded the master cylinder for the clutch and the brakes like a lot of trick parts um and while i'm putting in this slipper clutch i have the clutch out and i'm replacing this shift detent thing and it's basically a little arm that rocks back and forth as the transmission shifts it like pushes against it and there's a spring that puts it back into position and it's one bolt you take it out you replace it with the new one i take the original one out I test fit the new one. It fits fine. And then I go to take the bolt out to put Loctite on it. Right. Saying, Everything's going smooth. And, and, and there's no access problems. It's all right out, right in my face. The bike's on a lift. I'm not even bending over. Bolt goes in. Everything fits. I'm taking the bolt back out. And it just seizes solid. Oh. It stops moving. Wild. And... And I'm like, I, I, you know, I get, I put, start putting a little torque on it. And I mean, it is, I'm like lifting the bike off the lift. Oh no. And I was like, oh shit. So I backed up from it. I tried hitting it with some heat, you know, like around the threads of the bolts, trying to like open the hole up so I could bring it out. I try tightening it, you know, and then bringing it back, but it's not moving in any direction. I get a slide hammer, which if you don't know, it's a thing where you put like, a socket or a bit on it and you hit it with a hammer and it just puts some impulse torque into the bolt and it can like shake it loose. It's not going nowhere. And so now I'm panicking and, uh, it was a torque style bolt. First time in my entire life blew out the torques, bit. like not the bit, but the bolt itself. It just turned into a circle. Jeez. There was no tension coming out or going back in until it just froze solid. And I'm just like, what is happening? And so I decide, okay, we're screwed. We're in full like extraction mode. Like I am going to destroy this bolt, get it out of the hole and buy a new bolt. So, you know, a thing that you do when you have a seized bolt is you drill through the middle of the bolt. You get a thing called an easy out that clips mm -hmm. onto the hole. And, uh, and then that's supposed to take it out. So I drill through it, um, get an easy out on. First easy out, just it, I, it moves like a quarter turn, and then it just rips the inside of the bolt out. The easy out just eats it out. So I drill it thinner, and I'm thinking, okay, if I get the bolt thin enough in the threads, it'll just fall apart and come out, right? Right. And so then I drill it thinner, put a little bit bigger easy out in there. Uh -huh. And this time it, it grabs, moves, and the bolt splits in half. So half the bolt stays in. The other half comes out. Wow. Yeah. What? Wow. Hold on. Hold on. It gets better. This 
bolt threads into a raised boss, like it's just a raised plateau that's part of the cylinder block on the bike. Oh and my when god. It, when the bolt broke, it busted off the boss on the block. Wow. <sighs> and so like there's no way to fix that without welding it to the block or getting a like rebuilding the engine with a brand new cylinder block. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is insane. And I'm just sitting here I'm like is this real life? <laughs> Um, so I called up some machinist friends of mine and I sat down and I just thought <laughs> and like searched Google for a while. And, um, so there's this thing called a, a time cert. It's like a helicoil, except instead of a, a thread that you thread into to fix a thread, it's a, a steel insert. So you basically drill the hole bigger, thread it bigger, and then you thread the insert into that thread. So you're like re-threading, re-threading it completely. Right. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is, because I don't want to weld on a piece of aluminum because I'm afraid of warping the block, and then this yep. head, you know, then right. like the, block, the cylinder block doesn't seal and stuff. Um, what I found out I could do is I got an aluminum spacer that's going to provide the, the height, right? And thankfully, the cylinder block itself, it's a clear through hole with nothing on the other side, and it's 10 millimeters thick. So that's a lot of thickness for threading. So I'm going to put a time cert and thread the cylinder block itself, put a spacer in to provide the height, and then just put a new bolt in it. I think it's going to be fine. Huh. Um, but that is... That is some ghetto right really, there. I mean, actually, actually, like, so when you blow out a thread, I'm, like, drilling and tapping the thread and putting in a helicoil or a more intense insert, like a time cert. Yeah. That is a completely legitimate, right. like, professional... Actually, a lot of times, guys that build old engines, they will just helicoil all the threads, like, from the start. Well, and I've, I've had that happen on my jobs, you know, with my some of my displays. The, the, the screws are shitty, and they basically blow out on me, and I've had to basically tap them. I mean, I, I totally get it. Yeah. But there was a <laughs> minute when I was like... It sucks. There was a minute when I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the bike on the That's lift, weird. and I'm like... Do I need to buy a new engine? Like, yeah, hikes, dude, <laughs> like, just sweating bullets. That sucks. It just that just sounds like a horror movie. Holy shit, dude! I've never had a bolt go in and out with no resistance, and then on the way back out, stop. Like, you know, you it hits crud sometimes, and like, you know, you got to spray it with some lube or like yeah, lubricant it, yep. it, and then. Or you tighten it, and then you loosen it, and you tighten it, and you loosen it, and then it comes out, or you hit it with some heat. Jeez, um, for I, it, I have no idea. For it to just for it to uh, to seize up, and then to split in half, and then do all, do all that, like that's that's awful. Wow, yeah, that's got that had to be like a defective bowl or something, right? I, 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 the, you know the the one thought I have is maybe you know there was some like what looked like thread lock residue on the bolt. Oh. Which is not, oh. which is not uncommon. Hmm. Um, that's very common to see, but it came out so easy. I didn't feel the need to chase it, and it's not, you know, like I have a policy. Like if I'm doing exhaust bolts or cylinder head bolts or something, I always chase them because I want clean threads for like stressed bolts. This is not a stressed bolt. What, what do you mean? What do you mean chase them? So it's a. And I'm not insulting your intelligence. I'm just giving a full explanation. But there are tools called taps and chases or dies and chases. And uh, so, so a die or a tap is the thing that cuts new threads. So whether it's a hole 
or if you have a bolt that has fucked up threads, um, you run it through a die or, a t or you run a tap in a hole and it threads that hole. Now, a less extreme version of a tap and a die is called a chase, and it, it doesn't cut threads, it just cleans them up. It takes crap out of them. If it's cross-threaded, it can kind of recut it straight. Um, and so if I'm doing like a cylinder, cylinder heads or, you know, mains or pistons and stuff like that. That makes um, sense. I always run a, a, a tap or a chase over bolts and, and bolt holes to make sure the bolts are clean or the whole, then the threads are clean. And you just didn't um, think about doing that. Well, cause it, it's not a stressed bolt. You know right. what I mean? It's not it's like so bizarre. Critical. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, yeah. and it came out smooth. It came out smooth. Huh? Um, you know, I wasn't grunting. It was just like, okay is an M eight that specs 25 Newton meters of torque. And like, that's nothing a little bit. Yeah. And it just boop, popped loose, came out, went back in finger tight. Everything's good. Start bringing it out. Welded solid. Huh. That's, that's crazy. Oof. Man. Yeah. I, so I don't know. That's my wazoo freak out mystery of the, uh, <laughs> of the, of the year. Hopefully. Oh, knocking on wood for for all of well, us here. Yeah. So I got I got the time search showed up today before I got on my flight and I think the new detent bolt is showing up tomorrow. So by the time I get home from Alabama, I should be able to see if my repair works. And then I'm going to I'm going to run I'm going to fill it full of oil, run it for like 2 minutes and then drain the oil and the filter just to make sure any shavings or when I drill and tap it any crud it's plugged in the old filter and has a chance to flow out. Um, Good thinking. Yeah. So, but you know, like this is a 30 minute mod. I've done it to every, you know, I'm doing a lot more to the bike, but I'm just doing it cause it's right there. I've done it to every motorcycle I've owned. It takes 30 minutes. It's nothing. All three of my bikes now have it. Uh, every bike I've owned before I put it in and like, I have a full shop and not everybody has easy outs and reverse drill bits and taps and dies and, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, man, you know what I mean? I got everything. And I ran into this. Like if this was some guy in his driveway. No, completely screwed. <laughs> SOL. That's just GG right sure. there. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, Ryan? Do you have any? Well, have I don't have anything. So I, I, uh, I went on a grand tour. Um, I took a GT basically. Uh, nothing is even close to stressful as John's situation. Quite the opposite. Uh, my, uh, I basically have crushed my territory. As you all know, I drive all around Nebraska and Eastern South Dakota for my territory. And I've, uh, with everything slowing down, uh, they said, Hey, would you like to go to possibly the Washington area or Northern California? And I said, absolutely. It's negative 17 and snowing in Omaha. Please send me somewhere warm. And so uh, they said, uh, you are going to go to the Bay Area. Uh, so my wife and I got to, because we both have the same job, essentially, uh, fly out to San Francisco in the Bay Area and uh, all week, starting on Tuesday night into just today, I flew back from Oakland, uh, drove around the Bay. It was amazing. Um, I mean, really, the main takeaways for me is uh, hashtag blessed that I get to basically go on a grand tour every day. Um, I got to see Sonoma Valley, Napa. I actually went up to the capital of Sacramento. I drove through farms. Um, 
I went to Mount Diablo, so I did some some hills as well. Just really a, kind of a mixture of everything. And, and that was my big thing that I took away more than the fact that I was driving with my windows down in January and it was 50 degrees. It was um, nice last weekend, yeah. Man, well, it, yesterday. It was funny because a, a lot of people, locals, were saying it was cold. And I'm like... <laughs> No. no, yeah, it's no, perfect. no. I'm I had in, my windows down all I'm, today. I'm in Nebraska. And it's ain't cold. Uh, so, but it was really cool because one, it was super foggy most of the morning, so it was cool to drive in the fog. Um, but the biodiversity was nuts because you see, you know, I'm driving past all these evergreens, but also there's palm trees, especially um, yeah. on, <laughs> on the on the on the Capitol grounds. That just all sorts of stuff. There was redwoods and palm trees and dog woods and a lot of on an orange tree. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, really though, I was kind of worried about like driving obviously in a big city. I mean, I've driven in like Chicago before and around Boston and in Houston, uh, you know, but California drivers are California drivers. Right. But it was kind of cool in the sense that like, because I don't know if it was because I drive for a living and then also do sim racing. It wasn't that big of a deal to me. Um, I, you know, I don't think I don't really view Sacramento or the greater Sacramento metro area as like a big city. It doesn't really have a big city no, vibe. To I 100 percent. The way it, the road structure is as well, it, it's it's very well, still like township. I want I want to say township. It felt like just because of. But yeah. Sacramento, I only just drove through to the capital and then went around to Galt. But here's the thing. I was in San Francisco. I went to Daly City. I went to San Rafael. I was in Oakland, Richmond. I was in the East uh, Valley as well. Uh, I was in Fairfield. Um, so I covered it all. And so, like, for me, car-wise, the biodiversity of cars, much like the trees, was awesome. Because here in Nebraska, we have <laughs> crossovers and trucks and some sedans. And if I, if I don't see another Tesla for like the next three to four or six <laughs> months, I'm okay with a that. A lot of Teslas out Holy here. cow, there's a lot. But here's the weird thing. So I'm in like more or less what seemingly is the ghetto in like Daly City and Colma. And actually that Best Buy got robbed six hours after I was there. I was at another Best Buy. <laughs> I was at another Best Buy and the, and the ASM, the assistant sales manager said, yeah, that we actually had an AP report come out and say that that Best Buy got robbed. They tried to go for the new MacBook Pro. And I was just there like six hours ago, right? Well, in the same area, you have C-class Mercedes and M3 BMWs and like these nice cars everywhere, right? I saw more more Mercs on this trip, I think, than I have in Omaha in forever, right? So just tons of Mercs, tons of BMWs, copious amounts of Teslas, um, just a really good diversity hey, of cars, you know? A lot and of money it, out here, man. Th there really is. And then one of the best buys was next to a Lamborghini and Ferrari dealership. That was in San Rafael, which is the just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, so it was super cool. But, like, yeah, when I went up to Sacramento, I came back through uh, Galt over to Fairfield on a highway, and it was, like, rolling hills and, like, cows. And instead of corn, it was grapes. And I'm like, man, it's yeah. all the same, you know, like – realistically like this is farmland this just feels like nebraska in spring to me it just happens to be green in january which is trippy but like i drive on these type of roads all the time but it was like california then an hour and a half an hour and a half north there's 16 feet of snow yeah yeah exactly and so like duality of north northern california i mean my my general takeaway from it for now before i discuss it at length at probably another episode is just go take a drive see your local area there is stuff out there i mean i i I really want to talk at length at taking a, a, 
a GT in general. Like I said, I'm I'm lucky that I get paid to go take a grand tour every day, more or less. Um, but really just enjoying the countryside and, and getting out and seeing what's around you, right? Like, I mean, I went to a brewery, Lenny, that, you know, is not too far a hop and a skip from you. It's like 35 minutes, but hey, here it is. Or here's this scenic viewpoint or whatever, like get out and see those, those areas. I was just, I'm yeah, just, I'm going to, I'm going to check out that brewery for sure. I, I mean, really there's just so much, I think in anywhere you go, be it Nebraska or California or, you know, Alabama where uh, John is, there's just wherever <laughs> you are, get, get in the car and drive. This is America. We have that opportunity to do so. So it's pretty damn cool. But yeah, that's, that's more or less what I did is drove around California for the past week. And I cannot complain. It was pretty the fogs. Awesome. That's nice uh, out here. I love that type of territory. I'm I do not like the fog in the morning. It could go fuck itself. I, but that's yeah. just because of because of it affects my job directly. Yeah, the, so. the, that's yeah. true. As, as an as a aviation as a fly, aviation fog aviation, aviation fog, yeah, fog don't mix for sure. But as a photographer and a guy who is driving, uh, I don't really have a problem with it. <laughs> so. When I was in San Diego, if you get scheduled for the morning flight, you just you went to work assuming you're going to be at least an hour delayed <laughs> yeah. every morning huge sea layer and by like 10 a.m it's all burned off so like the weather's not bad it's just huge sea layer yeah I, and it was every every morning and that's the thing we didn't it's like well we had all day saturday off and even if we go drive to go see the golden gate bridge we why would we leave before noon we're not going to be really seeing anything outside of fog you know what i mean like you had to wait till almost one o'clock, two o'clock, and then it's still winter. So then you have a small window and it was like, do I want to drive in night with all this traffic? Uh, cause that was a big thing too. There was just so much traffic. I mean, I, I drove on the 880, dummy I drove on the 580, I drove on, uh, dummy drivers. And then you have the fact that it's again, like I, like I said, know how to drive. And so I'm in the left lane. I'm moderating my speed cruise. That's the thing though. I tell you what, I am super, super excited tomorrow to use cruise control. <laughs> It's like, like, it's just not a thing there. If you're going to be safe, I mean, yeah, you could pop yourself in the middle and cruise control at speed limit and just be a dumb, dumb. Sure. But if you're actually paying attention and driving safe, you won't use cruise control anywhere in that area. Uh, it's just not realistically safe. Uh, whereas I can, <laughs> I can go out on I-80 here and once I'm outside of Omaha, it's, it's cruise controls on and I'm, it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, you know, you know who doesn't drive safe? Uh, Who? rally car drivers that is true uh and actually that's our main topic tonight besides the fact that we have talked at copious length about our own lives uh because well this is our podcast but a very famous rally <laughs> driver who won this car and kind of set it up for it its existence colin mccray who used to say when in doubt go flat out because won, zero lift because zero lift basically this guy embodied it to a t um one Subaru, their first uh, driver and also uh, constructor championship uh, for a manufacturer. I'm not sure what it's called in WRC, but basically constructor championship, uh, which set up for the three in a row, uh, which it led, uh, basically led Subaru to building this car, which is the 22B. So, Lenny, you've kind of picked out this car we spent at length before this episode trying to figure out all the different designations of what Subarus are you guys were kind of confused (laughs) I was very confused Uh, so 
Um, why is yeah, this car so cool? you know what was up and down. It, you you kept nuts. trying to talk about the 22B. I, <laughs> Me and John were talking about something else. There's a else. WRX and an STI and more acronyms than the military will throw at you. So why is why are we talking about the 22B? What makes it cool? And uh, keep it well, pinned, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so really in, in the 97-98 uh, WRC World Rally Championship, uh, Subaru was dominating with their WRX STI GC8 chassis, um, which if anybody looks up uh, over at YouTube, you'll see the bright blue liver, uh, bright, bright blue body color with the triple five livery, uh, like skidding through the snow and the road and the dirt and all sorts, right? Uh, that had won its third championship in a row. But it wasn't and, actually in a row, though, was it? Because it, Colin McRae was 91, 92, and then 95. But it oh, was, was it not in a row? Oh, my it bad. wasn't actually I in thought a row. It, I thought it was consecutive. Uh, so, I think he, he had a couple so years off. Here's, here's something that I guess we should get off the right to the bat. Right off the bat, right? The 22B is that, and like the information surrounding it is steeped in myth and mystique and misinformation mostly. 100%. Um, and. Subaru doesn't help because they're kind of an alphabet soup of models. They've streamlined it considerably today, but back then it was like have an RA and a V Limited and all kinds of different type RS, type R. I'm sure that Ken, our friend who knows Scoobs, is listening to this, rolling his eyes at us right now. Um, we'll hear about that later. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, for, for now we digress. Uh, in 97, Subaru won the championship. And so in 98, they wanted to celebrate it, sort of like uh, Nissan did in 95 with the Le Mans championship with the BCNR 33 GTR. Take a shot. Uh, because Nissan had <laughs> made a limited edition 33 Le Mans version uh, with the nice blue color. And this was, and by so, the way, Subaru three in a row. Colin McRae won it in 95, but then Tommy McAdden and the Lancer won the next two as the driver, to clarify. There you go. And so in 98, they wanted to do a celebration, and so they um, made a celebration road-going car uh, that is was supposed to embody the spirit of the championship-winning car. Um and so what they had done uh, is basically taken a STI, a WRX Type R STI, uh, and in particular, the chassis of the 4 and 5. And so uh, here, here's where it starts to get kind of trippy uh, because there was four or five additions. Uh, to the V Limited. Yeah, there are so many letters and numbers. So, like, for the layman, I guess... You basically... It's, it's an Impreza, you an Impreza, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's just an Impreza. Which <laughs> nowadays, in the States, is badged as a WRX. Yeah, it's just a WRX, which also confused but, me. Yeah, right. so... But it's the so, Impreza. Yeah, it's and the Impreza GC8 uh, chassis. GC8's the chassis, yeah. And then 
the performance version of the Impreza is called an STI, which stands for Subaru Technica International or something like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, that basically, that's just like, you know, if you're used to your Dodge SRTs or your Ford SVTs or your AMG Mercedes or M car BMWs, that's Subaru's version STI. Um, and they've been doing that for a minute. Right. And STIs were fast. They, they were called little pocket rockets. And then to commemorate all these rally wins, but and also it coincided with the 40th anniversary of the company. Um, came so that's out right. Twenty two and one special yes. edition. Two and one special edition type of car. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit of an anniversary model. So you had the STI, which was based on a sedan. And they gave it some suspension improvements. They gave it the fast engine. It made somewhere in the ballpark like 280 horsepower. Um, and then they came out with the STI Type R, which was essentially a coupe, coupe. Uh, so it was the two-door, and it had shorter gear ratio transmission. I think the, tr the suspension was slightly stiffer. Um, and it had some cosmetic differences, like, uh, like it didn't have like a roof scoop and it was, it had like a more streamlined looking body. And so the, the 22 B was an even more limited version of the type R. So it was also the coupe, except it had a 2.2 liter over a two liter. It had fender flares, uh, had the same transmission. It had a twin plate ceramic clutch, which is kind of gangster for a production car this time. Um, and it had uh, an, like air conditioning delete. And another thing the Type R and the 22B had that the base models didn't was an intercooler sprayer. So it had a water nozzle over the intercooler. And you could flip a switch and it would spray water over the intercooler to cool it down. Oh, that's so sick. What a, yeah, it's pretty neat. So those intercoolers were over the hood or uh, over the top of the engine and the hood scoop pulled air into it. But over time, they would do what's called heat soak, and that's where heat from the engine would rise up. It would cause the intercooler's ambient temperature to get higher. The intercooler is supposed to cool down hot turbo air. And so with a water spray, it basically sought to eliminate heat soak. Um, so it had some, you know, with like air conditioning deletion, and the wide, it, it's, the 22B is kind of known, uh, known as the wide body STI. It does have a very wide track body, yeah. yeah. And for those yeah. that are not in the know, uh, this would be the blue Subaru with gold wheels um, <laughs> that is very yeah. well known. So if you ever see like a modern day someone out there with a Subaru uh, WRX, for example, they probably have it in blue. I mean, it's like the only option you can buy these things in, it seems like. It's like having a R34 GTR in Bayside Blue yeah, or a R32 in the uh, gunmetal gray. Just keep drinking, folks. Uh, so, but yeah. So, for those that don't know what uh, you know, a Subaru WRX is, it it also has a really unique sound, which I enjoy uh, for sure. It's very growly, uh, but it is the blue and and gold type of car. And I actually did see one of these in California. What I find interesting is that what I find interesting about the twenty two B is the engine. So like the 2.2 liter flat four was not present in the rally cars. They, they had two liter engines and Subaru just, you know, 
in celebration, they were just, I guess, power drunk. <laughs> Decided to stuff an extra 200cc into the engine. Okay, so just question. Just for shits and gigs. Does that make, does it, does point two make that much of a difference in displacement? I'll think about this, Ryan. Uh, don't talk, no, don't do that. All right, go ahead. I'm asking for people that don't know, John. Think about this. Okay. Point two. Point two of two liters, that's 10%. Yeah. So it's that's a t- 10% bump in displacement. Okay. So if this car makes 300 horsepower, that means theoretically a point two displacement increase it now makes voila 330 horsepower with no other changes yes this one actually produced 276 brake horsepower but what i find (laughs) no what i find Uh, 350 i think hold on what i find cool though as well is that they could have gone past this 2.2 into like 2.4 2.6 whatever right but the 22b is a hexadecimal for the number 555 which is Iconic That's livery status, yeah. which is the reference to their main sponsor. So, like, yeah, their main sponsor being this British really, American Tobacco Company. Correct. I mean, state this state was state the nineties. Triple five was the nineties, but it's. It, I think to me that's what makes it like also even further collector edition. Those little subtle nuances, you know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's like an NFT, right? Where there's those little nuances that make it go from like a common to like a, a rare collectible, right? There's a small yeah. Nuances. Cer- there's certain traits to it um, yeah. that on. that make but, it you know very rare, one of one. Absolutely, that's a good wanna, connection there. Yeah. I want to I want to walk this back real quick. Though. Okay, walk it back, John. While we're talking about power. More power. Let's go. I want you always. I want, you to, I want you to notice something. The okay. base model STI made 276 horsepower. All right. The 22B with 10% more displacement made 276 horsepower. The Skyline GTR with a 2.6 liter inline six twin turbo made 276 horsepower. Interesting. The RX7. RX-7 made 276 horsepower. The 3-liter 2JZ twin-turbo Supra made 276 horsepower. Do you know what they all have in common? What's that? Besides making 276... None of them made 276 horsepower. Wait, where's my Honda drop? You didn't even drop a Honda. I'm, uh, uh, NSX also was rated around 276. <laughs> Thank but you. The NSX, the NSX <laughs> was probably the only car of the group that actually made 276 horsepower. Just saying. Yeah, I was going to say... Don't I was leave out my Hondas. Crazy, man. The 22B definitely made more than 276. Correct. But the spec sheet at the dealership said 276 Interesting. Can anyone tell me why all of these cars, especially a three, exactly. Gentlemen's agreement. A a 22B did not make 276 horsepower. People, go go listen to Dona Media. They have a great, great series of episodes on all that. Yeah, they They beat it to death with the horse. Basically, there was was a gentleman's (laughs) agreement in Japan at the time, it affected motorcycles. It affected motorcycles and cars, and they were just like, "These cars are too fast." And they all shook hands in a very Japanese fashion and bowed a lot bowed a and bunch. said "arigato," and <laughs> agreed that they would not sell a car over 276 horsepower for the good of the people and their safety. Yeah. And then they responded by building a bunch of cars that were that way made past that, way more than 276 horsepower. Secretly. <laughs> saying that they made 276 horsepower. And then when they went to the review shootouts and, and stuff, they could be like, look how fast our 276 horsepower is as fast as Ferrari's 350 horsepower. Interesting. 
That's because it makes 350 horsepower, just like that Ferrari does. Um, except for, the, except for the, ultimate, it's the ultimate shitty except sandbag. Except for Izuzu. <laughs> Izuzu said, we're going to make trucks and power the entire industry with our diesel engines. Uh. So that's, you know, the 22B realistically probably makes somewhere around three, I would say probably 325 on the high end. There's why, a Why hasn't they been updated to like nah, modern times though? Why, why can't they like lift that now that the gentleman's agreement's gone? They don't, there's no, there's no reason one, to. Yeah, one, who cares? Two, okay. like, you don't, like, were you going to go like rip Could, an engine out and put it on well, an engine dyno and like, can't figure you, out what it so actually can't test, like his, so, okay this is this is me being dumb you can't just put the a 22b on just a, a dyno without the engine being ripped out and to get what the the, the brake horsepower is well here's the thing here's the thing well that's not brake horsepower um so when you buy a car from a manufacturer and they say it makes x amount of horsepower that's a theoretical oh. measurement not theoretical but that's what the that's what all the engines are guaranteed to make on an engine dyno that's the engine okay hooked up to a measuring device directly okay out in a car not when in the you car. go and when you go and put a car run the engine through a transmission a differential and tires and then you put that car on a car dynamometer where the tires are spinning a hub you're gonna make 15 to 25 percent less power that car made on an engine dyno so that's why interesting i tell car i tell car enthusiasts that my gtr makes 520 wheel horsepower i tell chicks at the bar that my car makes 650 horsepower because that's roughly what <laughs> 520 wheel roughly translates to about 650 if you theoretically gotcha. took, the car, took the engine out strapped it to an engine dyno so hey my car makes cars, 244 horsepower dude i'm just saying yeah, so that means on an, on a dyno, your car probably makes like 200 at the wheel. Yeah, that's a Honda Odyssey, 244 horsepower. Let's go. <laughs> which is wildly close to the 276 of this 22B, which is nuts to me. Oh, that's also I know. 25 years later. Exactly. Well, I've got no You sense. guys, do you guys know how much these, like a 22B is going for right now? That's I just looked what, up. Yeah, this the, is what blows my the mind. Last, the last auction price. $370,000. So this car... Uh, started at the when you could buy it, and it was it was already hot at that time because there was only like a limited edition run of this, anyways. I think there was it's what, only four hundred, four hundred made, and they were already like bought online at the time with dial internet type of stuff. Yeah, it was only only available in Japan through the dealership <laughs> or there was a couple <laughs> through of the, on the internet on. in '98, yeah, which is well, innovative as all hell. Exported so to there's UK. Actually, there's actually four hundred and twenty five. Four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. It is no. now three hundred. No, no, no. Four hundred twenty-five cars. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. So, like, there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. There was only four hundred cars. Okay. The other twenty-five are you think test, crash, promote, uh, beta test. There were twenty-four sold on the import market. No, there's only four hundred sold in the import. There's twenty-four. No, there's no, there's four hundred sold domestically, and they had the numbered placards. There's so, twenty-four on the ah, import. Market. so that's the UK. And there oh, was, and there See, was I didn't one. Know. I didn't look at that. There was one that was gifted to Subaru America, and that one is the one that's usually left out of official figures. Wow, so, so very rare, very rare collectible. Learn something new. I didn't know that. And this I car it was... started at a value of forty-seven k to buy it 
and now it is worth 370k. Yeah. Want to know something really funny? Inflation, folks. I found a message board thread from like 2002, 2003 of like a Subaru when I was like doing research for this episode. It was a bunch of guys like the the forum still alive, and it was a thread from early 2000s where a guy was like is the 22B worth 15 grand more than a Type R? And everybody was like, hell no, dude. It's not that. And he was like, yeah, thanks for the advice. I'm just going to go get a Type R. And I'm just like, in hindsight, <laughs> what a dumb decision. Well, I mean, right. okay, so from an investment standpoint, maybe a, maybe not the smartest decision of the millennia. Um, but from a car enthusiast standpoint, I mean, the forum was absolutely right. The totally. no, 22B right. is basically... Uh, a little bit uh, cosmetically souped up version of the Type R, but it's essentially still a Type R. The suspension underneath it is the same as a Type R. The brakes are the same from the Type R. They're just painted red. <laughs> Look, when you're driving <laughs> okay. around... Uh, then the rest is, is sort of cosmetic, and, and uh, with the exception of the adjustable wing. And only, I think, and and only the, like the super hardcore wheels. gearheads are going to know the difference. Engine. When you're driving around with your, with your hand on the 12 o'clock position, eh, nobody's going to know. All things considered, when your hands on, when your hands on the twelve and you're driving around, right? I'm not going to know the difference as a as a guy who's not supercarified yet. Between, uh, I think you would know the difference. The 22B has so? quite the road presence. It's, between it's wider. That, okay, so it has it has the wider WRX fenders, though, as we said, but like a it has the bigger. WRX. Yeah, the it's wing is is totally that. different. the The front and rear the front and rear fenders are totally different. The bumper is different. Like, uh, it, its presence is significantly wider than the Type R or, or the narrow-bodied other coupes of that generation. But what about Ryan. modern WRXs? Am I going to notice the difference between a, a blue gold? I mean, it'll look better. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the GC generation was by far the best looking. Oh, pinnacle! A, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Ken's not allowed to listen to this episode because I'll he's going to have a Kine- yeah. Ken, Ken's going to have a conips fit about this. Is if he's a super no, Ken, Ken used to have. I hope GC. we got everything right. I know it's so complicated sometimes. I'm just saying, Ken had a GC8 STI when we were in Japan together, mm-hmm. and we always made fun of him for it. So I'll never admit to his face <laughs> that his car was the best Subaru, but it totally was. So wait, so he, you guys were rocking <laughs> GTRs. Everybody drank, uh, and he's rocking a Subi. Yep. Seriously. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, seriously? Why is that shocking? I, because, like, they just—I don't know. It seems like that that would be—it seems more common comparative to like a GTR, and maybe that's because you guys were in Japan. Not in Japan. Exactly. What? Because no. that, that's exactly what I just said. Because you were in Japan, not so much. But here in America, you can get your hands on the Subaru. You couldn't get your hands on the GTR until recently, right? I mean, you can't get your hands on a GC8. In Amer- I mean, it's like getting a GC8 yeah. in America is like the same as getting an old GTR. Huh. Fair. Well, things, they didn't bring those over. Things I don't but, know. I mean, I would say I would say a nice GC8 in Japan is much more rare than a Skyline. Skylines are kind of like Mustangs over there. Huh. Very true. Now, was 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 Ken's uh, GC8 blue or was it white? No, it was it was gun. It was like a gunmetal gray. Oh, okay. Nice, nice, nice. I can appreciate that. That's very cool. One point it had white wheels. The other point it had the CE28s, which I think. He's still regretting selling those. So from what my understanding is with the 20B and why it's such a cool car is it is low production, 
blinged out and like the maxed out version of the best chassis code of this particular model of car. I mean, yeah, the, it's a super 20, GCA basically. Yeah, the 22B is a Subaru that you build if you're playing Forza. Like, <laughs> well, I like, I couldn't get it in Dirt 2.0. I could only get the 95 Impreza. I'm um, just saying, but like, I could if, get it. In, if, I could get it in GT. Is the ultimate expression of a Subaru, like practicality and price. Like, dude, it's 95 percent the same as an STI, right? Like, it has some cool stuff and some updates, but is it when you can get a GC8 on the import market between 10 and 20 grand? Is it worth 300 some odd, 400 thousand dollars for? No, no, not in a million years. And you can build a an equivalent or much faster normal GC8 for a tenth of the price. But it is the coolest. It's from just the factory. It's the tag from the factory. Oh yeah. It's cool. It's it's effing cool. Super effing cool, man. Well, that is a pretty damn cool car. Subaru with your blue and your gold, keep it rolling. Now, Lenny, you said there's some hard choices ahead uh with cool cars. Oh yeah. When it comes to scrap race daily. So so yeah, we're doing scrap race daily. Do we have multiple of, uh, cool I wish cars. I was driving today. Yeah, we, do we have multiple cool cars here? What's going on? And let's uh, explain the rules to those that have not listened to Zero Left before. Okay, so uh, scrap race daily is kind of self-explanatory. Uh, I'm gonna present these guys with three different cars to decide whether they want to throw it in the trash, uh, drive it every day for the rest of their lives, or race it one time on a racetrack. It's basically our version of Bang, Mary Kill. Right. So you guys ready for these? Yeah, let's see it. Okay, so the first one is pretty um, duh for today. It's the Subaru 22B. <laughs> right. The All second right. one is the Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution 6 Tommy Mackin Edition, also known as the TME. And the third okay. one is the Lancer Delta Integrale Evolution. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> okay. I said it was going to be a tough choice. You got to pick. I heard, I heard a Lancia, and I just immediately knew John was going to groan, and he did. So that that was satisfying <sighs> for me. Thank you for that. <laughs> Dude, you guys want me to lead it off since I'm? Uh, yeah. I'll give you guys a chance this to is, kind of. Well, you know, I have, to, that. I have to Google these to actually look them up. Um, I know what a Lancer is because my first car was a Gallant, and so I'm familiar with Mitsubishi. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, their car. Uh, you know what? The like Evolution it. Six TME. TME. Yeah, I just typed in Lancer Evo TME, so that's close enough. Um, what blows me away with Mitsubishi is they don't make cars anymore; they just make crossovers. Um, right? Yeah, it's, it's depressing. Sad. Caught lying too many times. Yeah, that's what happens though. Somebody go save Mitsubishi. Nissan has. Yeah, they own a majority of it. They're working on it. Uh, but Nissan is also. Well, the, you know, Nissan's turned around, man. Nissan, no, Nissan's turned around. I mean, they really have. Uh, like, I, I drove a, the Nissan Altima SV in California, which is also what I left Omaha in, and I, I can't complain. It's the 2022 version. Solid car. I'd recommend it. 526 miles for a full tank. So back to our game. Let's not get off topic <laughs> here. I don't need to talk about that. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what I'm going to scrap, I am going to scrap the uh, Evo 6. TME. Wow. Which is hard. I like I'm I'm having a tough time myself. Um 
but I'm not a particular fan of the Lancer six. Uh, and I'm, and I don't really like the red of that is only available in the team edition. So, uh, it has to go in the trash for me. I would want to race the Subaru 22 B just because I want to see what the ultimate road going GC eight would feel like around a track. Um, <laughs> that's just duh because zero lift. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's even that's a tough choice because I think it would be a great daily driver um, on the road every day. Pretty fun, lightweight car, throw around on the way, ba- way back to work, to work or from work or you know whatever. Use it as your Zen time. But I think it's it's pretty. I love the the Delta Integrale, especially the Evolution, which is the uh, homologation uh, version. I would just love to drive that every day of my life and hope that I don't burn or it doesn't burn to the ground, which is just Italian as hell, but you know, because zero <laughs> lift. Oh man, this is hard for me. So <laughs> I feel like we've, I feel like we've talked about the Lancia Delta before because my wiki has a, uh, clicked on this before link. So, uh, <laughs> clearly oh, for sure. We've talked about the Lancia Delta, oh, the rally. man, I, so, but I don't think the evolution particularly, we've talked about okay. that. It's, you know, born from rally as well. So, so like, so that's the, here's, here's the linear. Gonna, here's what I'm going to go with. Here. And y'all, y'all going to scream real quick. I'm going to scrap the 22 B. Uh, I just why? don't be why? Because it just, it doesn't do it for me. It, the blue and gold. It, look, I've been, I was racing in GT. It's fun, but like, hear me out here because I want to race this Lancia Delta, but I want to race it on a dirt rally track, not on a circuit. Let's be clear there. I'm going to take that on some dirt and there's a sick green livery on it. I want that, but I would daily the Evo. I a hundred percent would take the Mitsubishi Lancer, uh, because that is just a sick car to me. That is the type of car I would put in my garage and keep it because it's, much like the 22 be a one-off, um, but I like the spicy red. It calls back to me because Mitsubishi is my uh, spicy red. Mitsubishi is my first car. It is a 99. I like that. Nine's my number. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and put that in the garage, and I'm gonna go take the uh, Delancia Delta out on some dirt and have some fun. And the 22 B with its expensive price tag can be scrapped. All things considered, for me. I mean, uh, I I don't know what a TME is going for these days, but it's probably uh, yeah, it's probably, probably not the same. Probably the same. Yeah, but that's the. I'd rather have. I don't nah. know. I'd rather have. I don't the know. Spice. I don't I think so. I, they made more of the Evolution Six TMEs. I think. Look, I saw the red and the Mitsubishi. That's like that's I like red and Mitsubishi, man. I love the logo. I I'm I'm putting that in the I'm putting that in the garage. Sorry, so you saw an auction. Yeah, I saw a recent auction for a TME. It went for like one fifty. Give or take. It, oh wow! It does Scooby in. Uh, up there. It does Scooby in a, a minute uh, five. That ain't bad. A minute five six nine for those of us that appreciate the niceness of the internet. Uh, <laughs> um, John, yeah, what about you? John, John, I'm gonna. It's, it's tough. Uh, I, I, it's tough. Listen, I, I really had to mull it over this entire episode. That decision. Was, it was tough for me. If I was a businessman, the answer would be Subaru, Mitsubishi, and then the Lancia because 
Lancias are probably selling for like 50 nowadays. Mitsus are over yeah. 100 and the Subarus crackhead money. But I'm not a businessman. I am a stupid, broke, irresponsible car enthusiast. And you keep it pinned. <laughs> Let's go. So I'm going to have to scrap the Mitsubishi. Yeah, yeah Joanna. See, I had, yes. I had to go different. Because, it's oh, no, because compared to the 22B, the, the Tommy edition was kind of a parts bin special. Like, the 22B, it had a bigger displacement. It had, you know, the twin plate clutch. It had the water sprayer. And the, the Mitsubishi pretty much got, it got a better turbo. And everything else was mostly cosmetic type stuff. You know, is a, a shift knob and, and the body kit and stuff like that. Um, whereas there's a lot of like actual go fast bits on the 22B. So I would scrap the Mitsubishi. I would race the 22B. And the real reason that I would race the 22B is just because I think Lancia Delta Integrale is the coolest hatch <laughs> ever made. It's sick. I love ever. it. It's so nasty. And Not only the Integrale, we're talking about the evolution here, right? I would go Evo 2, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do I Evo, get one Evo of those? 2, whatever. Where can I buy one of those? I mean, you can buy them. They're, they've started to appreciate. I remember I remember five years ago, it wasn't hard to find them for about 20 grand, and now I think it's hard to find them for less than 40. Yeah. Uh, I think their their price is closer to 50 nowadays. Yeah. I, Though I do I have remember. a, I, I have a few, I have a few spots uh, on the Italian internet that I look at, Italian websites, um, and there's, I think they're still going for like maybe thirty six or close to forty over Delancia in Italy. Delta and so HF Integrale Evo two yeah. is going for ninety five thousand dollars. Lowest, <sighs> lowest sell is fifty. I guess I didn't account for inflation. Top sell. Oh, that might just be the. <laughs> It might just be the Evo 2, like a, a, yeah. a base Integrale or a Evo 1 might be less. I did look last year, though, so who knows? <sighs> I would take well, price. those. Me I just... and Lenny have nerded out on many occasions over the years about this car, and I do definitely remember, Lenny, a few years ago, you and I sending each other like bring a trailer ads, and it was like 20000 Right. Yeah, I think I think you saw like a yellow one. And you were like, "Yo, I'm thinking about buying this." It was in Italy. My uh, friend of mine, uh, shout out to to my friend Joe, who's still stationed over in Italy. He had sent me this uh, this link ad uh, for a yellow Evolution Two, and it was for like thirty six, and it was super clean. Yeah. Uh, one owner, like immaculate, and I wish I had pulled the trigger at the time. I I would take one of those for a track car. Here in you just, if you just told me they're a hundred thousand dollars, like that's it's huge uh, ROI. Yeah. Dang it! I'm just gonna get a Type R, all things considered. But like, <laughs> I I would you know I need a good car to take to uh, cars and coffee, not just a Honda Odyssey, guys. So uh, I'm looking. <laughs> if 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 a if a Integrale was worth five hundred dollars i would still like salivate every time yeah. i looked at it like i just it's, it's such a good logical. looking car yeah yeah it's a beautiful car i totally agree it is especially in this green livery it is up my alley for sure hot hatches and i i, I see us talking a lot more about rally and rally cars 
in the future. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. and the, the Monte oh, yeah. Carlo is coming up here at, uh, on the 20th, uh, and it is a new generation of rally cars with the hybrid, so there'll be uh, some boosts going on. And, uh, yeah, I've got it pinned with the uh, WRC modern era, guys. Don't you worry, but we can talk about the old stuff too. Cool. Yeah. Group B's coming. Yeah, Group B is coming for sure. Uh, so that, though, is uh, the episode of Zero Lift. You've been listening to Ryan, Lenny, and John. Sayonara. Now, you guys, so fun. you guys can reach out to us. <clears throat> I totally dropped the ball on our uh, first episode of 2022. You can reach out to us at uh, zeroliftpodcast.eth on both Twitter and Instagram and join in on the conversation. Let us know how wrong we are for scrapping the 22B, mostly me. Uh, or if you're a big Mishibishi guy yep. like I And am. you can hit me up on uh, Twitter as well. I'm I'm at Mr. Zero Lift. Dot hit ETH. me up some DM. You forgot your dot ETH. And if anybody has an epic pass and wants to hit some slopes, let me know. Because I'm going to Colorado this weekend. And I don't know where I'll be two weeks from now. So got an epic pass and want to shred, get at me. There you go. Hit the slopes. It's something we talk about. Keep it pinned if it's uh, on two wheels, four wheels, on a board, whatever it is. Keep your life pinned. Keeps your mind safe. We'll catch you guys next time.